soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. We pick it up in verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, the ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone which he had put at his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been loosed previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way, then I'm going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. This is the story of Jacob's ladder. Again, we just, we've just seen this pattern for us as we're going through Genesis we get New Testament interpretation to shed light on this text to understand it in the context of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel of John, in the very first chapter, as Jesus is being introduced to the nation, the people, the followers of John the Baptist have begun to follow him. And Peter, Andrew's brother, and in this context of John chapter 1, the very tail end of it, there's a man named Nathaniel. And they had come to him and said, hey, could this be the Messiah that we're following? Speaking of Jesus Christ. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and and Jesus said to Nathanael, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you know the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon 
the Son of God. Thus, Jesus, in his ministry, connects his earthly ministry to the vision of Jacob's ladder. He connects the two. And we've been saying this, especially because we taught Colossians earlier this year, that in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is pointing forward to Christ. One way or another, directly or indirectly, every book, every oracle, everything is a type, a prophecy, or a picture, or a promise concerning Jesus Christ. In this story that we read tonight in Genesis, when Jacob is sleeping and he has his dream, and he's transcending dimensions, in this dream, he is between dimensions. He is alive in time, space, and matter in his generation. But at the same time, eternity, which is another dimension, God's throne room, his glory, he, God comes to him in a dream. Now, that's not that unusual. We see in the book of Daniel, God coming in dreams. We see in the first couple of chapters of Matthew, many dreams where God is speaking to the wise men, to Joseph, what to do, when to do it, how to do it. There is a transition somehow in some way that we don't completely understand between when we're asleep and when we awake where we can be open to or receive from that dimension. In fact, the great promise concerning Jesus Christ at the end of the ages, your young men and old men will dream dreams of the kingdom. So biblically, we know that God can speak through dreams because it's, it's happened many times in the Bible, including right here in this text tonight. A footnote on that or a parenthetical thought is there's three types of dreams. The dreams that you had because of bad pizza, okay, late at night. Remember, you wake up with a headache at like four in the morning too, right? Okay, so that's one type of dream, just you being you and just the way your computer works and whatever. There can be dreams that are demonic dreams because the devil has access in that same realm, and there are definitely dreams that are demonic and even can be physical, like the physical pressure on your chest or even a choking type of thing that can be physical, demonic dreams. And then there are spiritual dreams where God can speak to you from a dream, and he can speak to you about something, I remember in Virginia Beach, we were going to do an outreach on this particular day with some other churches, and I was being pressured heavily to do it, and I just didn't have a piece about it, and the Lord gave me a dream. And I dreamed of the very place we are going to do the outreach, the Virginia Beach Pavilion, and I dreamed it was raining like in the flood, that it was a deluge, just a total downpour, and that this event happened, everything was flooded, and nobody came. I thought, well, that's a rather interesting dream. And I was like, well, Lord, I don't want to make too much of a dream. I don't want it to be a dream of fear or something, but what's the word of the Lord? And I was like, word, word of the Lord was, Joey, it's going to pour rain, and I'm not in this event. Don't do it. So when I called the people and said, I'm telling you right now, I had a dream. I know, I know. When people say they have a dream, I understand. So believe me, I'm with you. If you came to me and said, you had a dream, I'm with you. Okay, so I understand where you're at. But I had a dream where it poured rain and nobody came. And then I prayed about it, and the Lord told me that's what's going to happen and not to be a part of it. That day it rained six inches in Virginia Beach. And everywhere in Virginia Beach was flooded. There was hundreds of accidents, and I guess nobody came. Because I didn't go, but I don't know. But as I heard, nobody came. I was like, wow, I read that dream right. You might have in your lifetime, on one hand, two, maximum probably, that you've had dreams where God would speak to you. It's not like it happens all that often. But still, there's something about a dream where God might meet you there. But in the Old Testament, that's really where God did a lot of meeting with a lot of people, like Daniel. In the New Testament... The Holy Spirit meets us when we're cognitively alert, as we are here tonight, to speak to us and move us and point us and direct us toward the things of the kingdom and the things of God. Which brings me back to the whole thing about Colossians and things that are a type of things to come. And here, this Jacob's ladder is a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Because Jacob had this incredible vision. It moved him. He said, God is awesome. 
It's like the foundation for the song, Our God is an Awesome God, right? This place is awesome. God is awesome. And he's moved by it. He builds a pillar. We'll come back to this in a moment in application before the night's done. But, like, he just, it's incredible what happened. God spoke to him. God moved upon him. And he had this divine encounter with the Lord. But with Nathaniel in John chapter 1, it's the upgrade. We've been talking about upgrades in the book of Genesis. Because this is God meeting him in a dream, revealing himself to, in the dream. To this point, we don't have any record of Jacob having a relationship with God. We know that Jacob wanted the birthright, and we know that Jacob wanted the blessing. But we don't ever see Jacob in a relationship with God building altars or praying or calling out to the Lord. He's just Jacob, and he's about Jacob's business. And we know enough from Jacob later on in his life, he's always got a plan, and he's always trying to stay in front of you like a chessboard with business. With Laban, with Esau, he's got a plan. We know that God will change his name from Jacob, heel grabber, to Israel, prince of God, and from him will come the 12 tribes of Israel and the seed, the promised seed, that will be a blessing to Israel and the nations, Jesus Christ, will come to the tribe of Judah, the fourthborn, and from the tribe of Judah through the house of David under Jesse. He didn't know that this night. He's just running because his brother wants to kill him. He's running from what he knows. Someone wants to kill me. And he's running to what he doesn't know. Uh, Laban's house. Uncle Laban. I'm going to go see Uncle Laban. You know, it's this way. Hang a left past Damascus and you'll find Uncle Laban up there somewhere. Okay? That's all he knows. And yet God meets them there. But Jesus, when he's beginning his ministry, and he says that to Nathaniel, he said, you get, a, you, get, you get fired up because I told you I saw you behind a fig tree? Let me tell you something. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, the Son of God. It's an upgrade. Black and white, Jacob, his experience. Prelude of things to come. Shadow of things to come. Jesus Christ, the beginning of his ministry. Think what John says before that. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He said no one's ever seen God at any time but the only begotten of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ. He has declared him to us. The law of God came through Moses in 1500 B.C., but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the summary of John's gospel, and then here's where it begins in John chapter 1. What Jesus is saying is, what Jacob could only encounter through a dream, you can encounter through me. Because no one has ascended, but the Son of God, he has descended. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is God reaching down to us through Jesus Christ. So as we think about this text the rest of the night of this experience for Jacob in the house of God, Bethel, formerly Luz, if you will, when we think about this experience and think about the application, we have to take it past the black and white, and we got to take it to the color. we got to take it from the prototype and the prelude to, or the preamble, to the real thing. Because the real thing here is Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry and everything he did to show us the heart of God the Father. Jacob had one dream one night this way. We have a whole life to live by being born again through faith in Jesus Christ. As many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. And everyone being Christ are a new creation. We have the second birth. The Spirit of God moved in the Old Testament. He hovered on the face of the waters. He came upon Gideon. He came upon David. He did various things at various times. But for us, when we open our heart to Christ, he comes in us and we become the temple of God. But when we think about this, what we learn from the story of Jacob is God meets us where we're at. And 
God is gracious because there's nothing in Jacob that's seeking the Lord right here. There's nothing about Jacob that makes him righteous or pursuing the Lord. He really is a testimony of amazing grace. So far, what we know about him is he grabbed his brother's heel out of the, coming out of the womb, which, you know, he's an infant, so can't give too much there. But he did get the name heel grabber. And it seemed appropriate because he stole the birthright from his brother. He outsmarted his brother for the birthright. He strived for the blessings, which is commendable. And by the way, in all that he did, stealing the birthright and stealing the blessings, in both those things, God never rebukes him. In the context of the previous chapters, God never rebukes him. And here, when God reveals himself to him, he doesn't rebuke him for that either. You know, that's the amazing grace. See, the, the gospel of grace is always taking us forward. It's not about the mistakes we made in the tent with mom deceiving dad and Esau wanting to kill me and stealing the birthrights from when we were teenagers in high school. And then now we're grown men and we're fighting over the state and I want to run the state in the trust. And so I'm going to get the blessings because that's the way it works in that culture at that time. And I'm going for it. It's not superstition. It's like the real deal. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to usurp my brother. And to his credit, Jacob wanted the things that were promised through grandfather Abraham and through his dad Isaac. He wanted them. Esau's like, eh, it's a birthright. What's the matter to me? I'm starving to death. I want to go to In-N-Out. Give me the money and you can have the birthright. That's what it's like. He sold his birthright for an In-N-Out combo, a bowl of beans. It gives us perspective and context. Like a teenager. And then later on when he's midlife, he's like, hey, you know, dad's going to give me everything. I'm the firstborn. I'm going to run the state, run the trust and all that. Rebecca comes to Jacob and says, no way Esau is running the trust in the estate of this family. And there is no way because God told me the older will serve the younger. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to deceive your dad. And that's what they did. So to his credit, he wanted the blessings, but... And he never got reproved by the Lord for what he did, but there's no indication of a relationship with the Lord. And we're told that there's none that seeks after the Lord, no, not one. And we're told that we love him because he first loved us. While we're yet enemies, Christ died for us, we're told in the New Testament. This is amazing grace. In other words, my key point here in the overall context is there's nothing in Jacob that says, hey, I'm seeking spiritual things. I'm going to go to this mountaintop, have an experience with God. I just want to draw near to the Lord. No, he's running for his life. And he's just on his journey like a lot of us were when Christ revealed himself to us. But he's at that flashpoint, that apex, where in time, space, and matter, God of the universe, over all these billions of stars and galaxies, becomes very personal with the hairs on our head, and that's where he is at. I love to hear people's testimonies when they talk about how the Lord brought them to himself. We all have different stories. That's how it is. This story reminds us that in the fullness of the New Testament and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost, and he descends so we can ascend. And he sends the angels to confirm as ministers to those who are being saved to guide us on our journey. He confirms that he's personal in our lives. To the baker, he's the bread of life, and so on and so forth. And to the surfer, he's the one that calms the winds and the seas and makes them stop. He's whatever he needs to be for that person to reveal himself to them. There's such a mystery to it, but it's so beautiful because it is the gospel of grace. While yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we love him because he first loved us. 
And the good news that we have as the Church of Jesus Christ in 2019, in every year until he's done with this world as we understand this dispensation and the way it is right now, until the kingdom comes in full glory. It's a glorious gospel of grace. And here, with the grandson of the father of faith, we see that grace. God met him right there. Jacob did not earn this revelation. Jacob did not earn this visitation. God initiated this because God comes to seeking to save that which is lost. And this is the prelude, the black and white version. Jesus Christ, John 1, is the full color surround sound version. Not a dream, but the real deal. God on earth in time, space, and matter. Glory veiled. So he meets us where we're at, and he meets us in the fullness of the glory. But he initiates it, and it's important that we really lay hold of that because he initiated it for me, he initiates it for you, and initiates it for the people we love and care about and the people maybe we don't love and care about. And before we move on this, move on from this first point of God initiating the revelation, God came to bless him and reveal himself to him. It is worth noting, just a little bit of clarity before we move on, that God was working before Jacob was born, moving toward Jacob. Because God says, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. In other words, before you were born, when your mom was there in her father's house with her brother Laban, before your dad was born, when your grandfather sent Eliezer to, to go get your mother for his son, your, your mother's father-in-law, I was the God of Abraham. That's very encouraging because we say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what the text says here. I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless the nations. Well, I'm going to make a nation come from you. You don't have a wife. So you're way behind Abraham's eight ball when I made these promises to Abraham. Because Abraham had a wife that couldn't have children. When I promised him a son, you don't even have a wife. You don't know what tomorrow's bringing for you. But from you, a nation's going to come. The same promise I made Abraham, your grandfather, and I made Isaac, your dad. I'm making you. I'm the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. And from you, a nation's going to come from your seed, your offspring, a nation. In fact, Jacob doesn't know it yet, but he's going to have 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. In the next 20 years, he's going to have 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And the rest is Jewish history, Israelite history. But that promise was there before he was ever conceived. Think about this. I'm the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. I was working before you were born. And I'm going to be working after you're gone. Because an entire nation is going to come from you. It'll be 400 plus years before the nation comes from him. He will see the beginning of that nation because he will die in Egypt when they're about 70. But it'll be centuries before those descendants of his 12 sons come out of Egypt with the Exodus and Moses. It'll be centuries But they will come into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And they will carry the bones of Joseph, his son, into that promised land four centuries later. I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. And from you, in the future, when you're gone, 
He's the same yesterday, today, because God's talking to him today in the dream. But he's talking to him yesterday. But in the future, a nation is going to come from you, and in your seed, all nations will be blessed. Jesus Christ the Messiah is coming through you, and all nations will be blessed. So it reminds us, when God initiates what he wants to do in our life, he was working before we were born, in and through our parents, our jobs, our school, our teachers. Think of all the people that sowed the gospel into your life before you were even saved and before you were even born. There were things that God was doing to prepare the way for you to know him before you came onto planet Earth, before you were one cell in your mother's womb that had all the blueprint for who you are today in that DNA. And what I really like about what God says to him here, initiating this relationship and the contact and the revelation, he said, I'm going to be with you. I'm, I'm going to go with you and keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. You ever feel like in your walk with the Lord, you're part of something so much bigger than just you? Oh, it's because you are. You're so special. It's like that giant thousand-piece puzzle that's a, so beautiful. We're a piece of the puzzle. There's a place for all of us in the kingdom and church history in our timeline and the kingdom. But God was working before we came. God's working while we're here. And we don't have to worry when we're gone. He'll keep working. And this story reminds us of that. He comes to us and knows the hairs on our head. Oh, you're excited because I said I saw you behind the fig tree? I'm telling you, angels ascending and descending, you don't even know what's coming. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's here. You're going to see, the the blind are going to see, the lame are going to walk, the dead are going to be raised. It's here. What a generation for Nathaniel and the subsequent generations that we're now a part of, the glorious gospel in the church age. But he meets us where we're at, and he was working before we met him, He's working personally with us while we do meet him, and he's working on a bigger picture when we're long gone of what our life was all about. The fruit of our life should not end when we step into eternity. It's so much bigger than just your dream where God meets you. I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac, and I've got a plan so big, it's so much beyond you. And what does God say? As the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts and ways above us. What he wants to do through your life, through our lives here at Worship Generation, what he's done through our lives in 2019, what he's still doing in our lives through 2019 as a church family, and what he's going to do in 2020, it's awesome and it's mind-blowing, and it's more than we'll ever know while we're alive in time, space, and matter. All the fruit that we've sown, all that we've sown for 15 years as a church, and what was sown before we even began here when we were sowing in a Jeremy Camp and Tim Chaddock and Sarah Yardley and all these people, David Downs and Sean Havler, they're all over the world. They've been in Africa, they're in Italy, they're in England, and Tim Chaddock's in London. And man, Tim Chaddock's first preaching was with Worship Generation. His first preaching was with Worship Generation on a tour up in Washington State. We we're doing an outreach up there, and somebody wanted to have another outreach the same night we're doing the outreach. I was at the Greyhound Center in Coeur d'Alene. And he's looking like, can you send someone uh, to come and preach to us up here, like an hour up the way? I'm like, hey, Tim, take this band and go preach there. Leave straight and narrow here. I can't remember who we sent with him, but we sent Tim Chaddock. I was like, well, how did it go? And he goes, I preached the gospel and I gave an invitation and people came forward. Right. You got this. You see, we just keep on sowing, 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 discipling, mentoring, pouring out. But I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac, and this is what I'm doing. It's bigger than you. I've met you where you're at, and I'm personal to you. I will be with you in the way, and I'll bring you back in the way that you're going. It's just wonderful. It's incredible. you got to appreciate Jacob's response. 
this is a good response for when, because the Lord meets us where we're at. We're often so concerned, like, well, I'm not worthy. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have a friend who's praying about, he, he believes maybe he's called to ministry. His wife thinks maybe they're called to ministry, but they're really scared about it. She's not sure what it means to be a pastor's wife. He's not sure if he's really called and he's nervous. It's one thing to be involved in your local church and serving and blessing and helping. It's quite another to say, like, I think I'm called. He's really nervous about it. I need, I need more education. I need more mentoring. I go, man, I know that one. And what I learned as I stepped out in faith as an intern pastor is that God just worked right through me, right where I was at, with who I was in that place. That very first day at work at, at Calvary Vista when the new building was done, and I sat in that office, and Brian gave me four books and said, read these and just be available. And they called me and said, hey, there's a lady here. She's Catholic. She's really mad at her teenage son, and they're looking for someone to uh, arbitrate this situation. I'm like, that's perfect. My mom's Catholic, and I was that teenage son. Send him back. And, I, and I, it was like, oh, my goodness. like, that's my mom. That's me. That's my mom. That's me. Hey, look. Hey, you stop being such a naughty boy. You know what? He just, he needs help. You know, like, he, need, he needs grace and love and mercy. It was crazy. He meets us where we're at. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.